G'day, everybody. Welcome to the show, Inside the Ropes, episode number 154. Uh, lovely to be here with you. Lovely to have your company. Big show today. Um, Stacey Peters, Mark Hayes about to join us. Stephen Pitt, Flick Johnson to tell us about um, the legacy that's going to be left by the outgoing CEO and, and the impact of coronavirus on golfers who ply their trade internationally. Um, we don't want to be alarmist about any of this, Mark Hayes, but there are some realities that are hitting a lot of people and, and golf's being touched by this. Good to see you. Yeah, you too, Murray. Um, I'd rather we didn't have to talk about coronavirus because I think it's um, been a little bit overblown, but um, the reality is that it's impacting everyone in so many ways, share markets, medically, mm. travel-wise. Um, it's only uh, fair that we talk about how it impacts golf, and I'm sure Flick will give us a great insight into that. Hello, Stacey Peters. Hello, Murray. How are you? Thanks well. for having me on again. Your shout for lunch today, I believe. Oh, I had a little win on the golf course, so yes. I look forward to uh, hearing from Flick later today, maybe about that. Yeah, or, or maybe, or maybe not. We'll certainly talk to Stephen Pitt about that. You two are very cock-a-hoop at the moment, which is <laughs> quite annoying. Um, right, let's get struck. Tyrrell Hatton yep. is now legitimate. He's now legitimate really? in the eyes of the world. Is that in a question eyes, or a statement? Well, I'm putting it because, to you. Oh, because, <laughs> because he won in the... Because he's won I'm, on the real... He's oh. won on the real tour. Oh, sorry. He's won, on the, he's won on the tour. The tour. So now he's ticked that box. He's a legitimate player. <laughs> he can proudly stand alongside the Mark Wilsons of the world yeah. who were held up by, you know, some last week as being the standard bearers of the great game. So um, despite the fact that he may have been, you know, Ryder Cupper and all this sort of stuff and won multiple times over in Europe, tick that but box now, still. Well played. Now he's yep. done it. Good yep. on him. And to be fair... Against a pretty good field, he mm. did really well by a couple of holes too. So tough last yeah. day. Four four blokes only under par for the tournament. It tells you everything, and he was you know flirting with six and seven and eight at, at one stage. I think there. So yeah, it's know, like major championship sort of style, wasn't it? With that sort of scoring out there, yeah. it was awesome. Um, but yeah, he's obviously a really good player. He's got clearly got some. Uh, I don't want to say this. I wouldn't say an easier shot with a three iron in his hand, but he's got some temperament issues. Yeah. Um, but you know, when he gets on top of that, he's good stuff is as good as anyone. So, um, you know, he's fun to watch. He's great fun to watch. He's so demonstrative. You know, it's, he's, he's fantastic. He's a character. Yeah. He breaks the mold and we've talked about him often on this show, but yep. he breaks the mold of the modern player who is told by their, you know, their mental coaches to keep it all within and stay level and yep. be calm and, you know, and, don't and, don't show anything, but he shows it all, and that's what makes him so engaging, I reckon. And the more non-American players we have win on the USPGA yeah. Tour this year, the better it is just for Paul Azinger and all in all well, concerned. Well, the top, the first three places on that leaderboard looked all right, didn't they? They so certainly did, and, that, and I think from an Australian perspective, Mark Leishman's second place. Um, look, Tyrrell Hatton had a double bogey where he perhaps played a, you know, a couple of crazy shots. But Mark Leishman did the same as well. Mm. So it's not, you know, it probably washed out to roughly where it should have been. And Leishman, three under, only one back. Runner-up this year, win, wins there last year. Um, this is a legitimate lead-up event to the Masters. Um, this is uh, a proper proper tournament in my eyes. The way they set it up is definitely got major championship, as Stace says, in the mind. I think, to me, it shows that Mark Leishman's taken his game to another level. Admittedly, sometimes it's on the courses that he likes year, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, as it goes around the, the schedule, but uh, he's up to 15th in the world. He's up to seventh in the FedEx cup. Yeah. Uh, what's he's the, all, he what's is, he's done in the start of the year? Three, I think three top tens. Is yeah, that right? In and a handful of events. He, Pretty impressive. He, when he finds something that he likes, he's a legitimately world-class player. Yeah. What's his record like at Augusta? Where's well, a question without notice. No, uh, well, he actually, he that, that year, he and Cam Smith. Well, he, the year that Scotty won, he was yeah. still a chance on yep. the 15th and dunked it in the water. Storm he, home last year. He was actually leader. Um, he was leader after nine holes at some ridiculous mark under the card the year after and then blew up. Yep. He's got a, a track record of blowing the course apart and then having it blow him apart at yeah. different stages. There's no uh, in-betweens there, but I think he's become more consistent. Mm. He's definitely, um, yeah, he's definitely played well at Augusta. Yeah. Hasn't he? Oh stop. yeah. And he's, you know, he's just, he, the long irons really should suit him there. And it, it's the courses we know that keeps expanding. So there's still a premium on someone who can still hit their long irons. That should work into his hands. I reckon one of these days. 74 and a half was the, or just less than just under 74 and a half was the uh, field average in the final round, which was the third highest in the tournament history, just to put a number 
on how difficult it was. I think uh, Arnie would have been happy to see that, wouldn't he? I think he would have. Would have been. So. Yeah, my work. <laughs> I think one victim of that, Andy, was unfortunately Matty Jones, who coughed yeah. up a really big chance, finished tied 47th. But had he pushed on before his last round 81, um, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda, he finishes in the top 20, probably puts a, a stamp on his next year's card as well, mm. um, the reigning Australian Open champion, of course. So uh, he's, as it is, he'd moved up one spot to um, to 72, but he could have really jumped into the sort of 40s or 50s there with a big result. So disappointing final round. Shared an 81 fleek in the final round with Brooks Kepka, who's got a tasty three ball in the players this week with Rory McIlroy and John Rahm. That'll be a bit of fun to watch. We know Kepka gets himself up for majors, but the last seven tournaments, this is what the form line reads like. You tell me whether he'd be concerned about this or whether it's water off a duck's back. Tied 47, mixed cut, missed cut, tied 43, tied 17, tied 34, withdrawn, missed cut. That's his last seven events. Doesn't make great reading. There's not a major in there. Does he, does he give a tinker's cuffs about any of that? My opinion, no. No. I really don't think he does. You know, I mean, he said it, what was it, a year ago, that he's really only up and about for the majors. Um, but but let's see. I mean, if that was me as a player, yeah, I'd be concerned about that. But You're shaking your head horizontally? No, I just think he couldn't care less. He no. may or may not even care less at the players. But when it gets around to Augusta in a few weeks' time, yeah, um, it'll be game on and you'll see the real Brooks Koepka. Yeah. See any of the Qatar Masters? See any of the playoffs? Before, before, you, go, before you go, I just oh, want to – because it's actually a really important story. This Adam Scott mm-hmm. – um, Missed the cut, but Jason Day withdrew. He, of and, course, he did. Yes. And just before you move on to to the Middle Forgot East, there Forgot um, about Jason playing in this tournament. Got to keep him in line here sometimes. Got so. about Jason playing, oh, he, playing in this playing tournament. in this tournament. Yeah, four holes into his second round, had the back injury that uh, hampered has hampered him for a while now. Um, that played up in yeah late last year, didn't it? Yeah, it cost That's him right. his trip home to play in Australia and right. the Australian Open and the Presidents Cup. That's um, right. It's claimed him here at Arnold's place. Uh, he was seen, we're recording this as, uh, on Tuesday afternoon, he was seen walking nine holes this morning at um, TPC Sawgrass at Jacksonville. Whether he gets to play this week in the players, we don't know. Um, he didn't have his sticks with him. He was just wandering and clearly in pain when he was taken from the course. So um, not today when, yeah, he, yeah, when he withdrew. Yeah. So, um, so he was playing today? No. Or he no, just walked? No, he just walked, okay. just walked and he was very okay. rigid apparently. Um Speaking of world rankings, as we were a second ago with Leash, Jason Day's today fallen to number 50 in the world. Um, that's something I'd be alarmed about because Brooks Koepka's not in that danger because mm. he's still got so much to fall back on. But 50 in the world is a really interesting proposition. He's only 15, put it this way, he's 15 slots ahead of Lucas Herbert. Mm. That's unthinkable you three have, years You couldn't ago. have seen that. So, uh, look, we always say, Andy, you've got to make hay when the sun shines, when, you, when you're going well on the big tours in particular. Let's hope the sun comes back on his back at some stage. You're doubtful. You've had doubts. I am. I'm while. extremely yeah, doubtful. Yeah. 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 And he's already had a great career. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. Absolutely. So, yeah. no, not potting him for that. But for those people who think it's easy to stay at the top and just peel off um, top 10 finishes year after year, um, yeah, sorry, world, world rankings year after year, it's just not. For the guys who are constantly in that top 10, top 20, and the same on the women's tour, it's a feat that you just cannot un, you know, overstate, I reckon. Well, this is how hard a game it is. David Drysdale hasn't won on the main European tour. Hasn't had a win since 2007 anywhere. He's played 434 events since his last win anywhere, according to my mathematics. The Qatar Masters, he gets into a playoff against with Jorge Campillo, and he goes birdie, birdie, plays holes putts that should have won him twice, that should have won in the tournament, only to see the Spaniard following him in, and then loses on the fourth playoff hole. Golf's hard. It's hard to win. So and this hard. poor bugger, you know, he's going to get a good check out of this. But I don't think it's yeah. – it's a bit about that. But it's for him this week, it was about finally getting – How old is he? 43, well, four. Yeah, yep, yeah, yep. Those opportunities don't come around much. It's hard, isn't it? Like that's your heart – Breaks for him a little bit, you know. Not, not that I'm, I'm not David Dry. I don't even know David Dry. So I'm not. I don't follow David. But then you, when he gets into contention and you drill down and you see, and then you hear the commentators start talking about the career bio and you know, where he's at in his life as a professional golfer. Just give him one. <laughs> just let him have one. And you'd know. think he's done enough, but you he's know, those done first, enough. Yeah. 
it's uh, if you, they, that's they hard both to went take. three, 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 three on the first two. I was, I mean, the golf was exhilarating mm. that they played, that they produced in their playoff. It was just as good as you'll see. Um, but unfortunately, there has to be a winner and there has to be a loser. Uh, Jason Scrivener, the best of the Aussies over there. In fact, I think he was the only Australian to make the cut. If yeah, I, yeah, correct. Um, while we're just running around the world quickly, mm. Andrew Dote, big shout there and a yep. pain in playoff story continues here with um, the big Queenslander uh, bowing ultimately to Trevor Simsby of the United States. Tell me a bit about him. Um, well, Trevor Simsby is what you would call a journeyman, right. Andy. It's okay. Thank you. <laughs> but he birdied the 18th on the, um, on the second player file, I think. Um, Andrew Dote led from start to then. Um, rain shortened 54 holes in Malaysia. Unfortunately, couldn't get it done, but a great result there. And Wade Ormsby, top 10, and extended his lead on the Asian Tour order. Oh, well, isn't he? He's playing well. Really He's good really golf. solid. Yeah. Um, Dave, Dave McKenzie yeah. has a good result <laughs> against the old boys. Ernie Els wins by two. Birdie two of the last four, Ernie. How much money is he going to make on that tour? Oh, God. It's going to be frightening. <laughs> I said that the other day, actually. Um, yeah, seriously, this is going to be... Is it going to be another langer? Like, is yeah. it just... He's a langer in the He won't play gonna... as much, though, will he? He'll just nah. pick and choose. He'll play 20 times a year or 15 times a year yeah. and just for a bit of fun. 15 times a year, probably win six and finish yeah. runner-up seven. <laughs> That's going to be right. scary, isn't yeah. it? Yep. That does go One right. thing, Andy, before we uh, take a quick break yep. here, I'd be interested in Stacey's thoughts on this. The, the PGA Tour, in combination with the LPGA Tour, announced their uh, new TV oh, rights yeah. deal yep. um, a couple of days ago. Uh, nearly a decade-long sort of scenario. Yeah. And on the men's side of things, I don't think you really are going to see too much different, to be honest. Combination NBC, CBS, bit on Golf Channel, depending on how you watch your golf right now. I will talk about ESPN Plus in a second. But Stace, some good news for the LPGA. Um, enhanced coverage of the Symmetra Tour. Enhanced coverage of the road, the Tour Championship, the road to it and the finale. finale. I can't even talk properly. And more marketing for LPGA players, more marketing budget and um, scope with Golf Channel. That's a good, good deal. Yeah, I think it's a huge announcement. Massive for the girls. I mean, to be getting the Symmetra on TV is going to be huge. It's going to be huge for the tour. But, yeah, like you just said, it's going to be huge for the players. Like any exposure they're going to get is probably 10 times more than they've been getting. Mm. So I think it's really exciting. The only downside of this, Andy, I don't know, you, you might have another one, but the online content is going to be um, seen on ESPN+. Plus which is uh, going to be boarded by the U.S. So oh, you, okay. there's yeah. a heap of stuff we won't be able to see, unfortunately, still. Obviously, Golf Channel um, and ESPN Plus is a service you need. A, I don't, I'm not good at this sort of rubbish, but IP address needs to be in the U.S. So That's how we would be able to watch it here, you mean? Yeah. Or, it, right. That, the stuff that's – if you've got access to other things and it's coming via Fox, then that's fine. But yeah. if you're looking to – like sneak a little bit of extra and you want to have ESPN plus access yep. to it, then you're going to be in trouble unless you can scam away to get an American IP address. Right. And of course, a part of that announcement, the PJ will be laying out plans to take the game globally and, and share the wealth and open up its borders <laughs> to other parts of the world. That'll be Are part you okay of that nine-year strategy oh, one. I think I'm having coronavirus. <laughs> okay. Let's get a break. Anything else on this before we get a break? Yeah, like Stephen, we might ask Pity about this. The outgoing CEO of Golf Australia to join us next. Welcome back to the show. Great to have you with us on episode 154 of Inside the Ropes. It's with a bit of a heavy heart that we say hello to Stephen Pitt, the, well, the, the current but outgoing CEO of Golf Australia. You've been a magnificent man to work with and for, um, and this news hit us a bit out of the blue a couple of weeks ago. Thanks for coming on the show. Uh, thanks, Murray. It's great to be here. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, there's always a range of emotions with something like this. Um, but uh, it's been quite a while. It's been 11 years, 11 and a half years. So um, probably timing is right, I think, for me, but also for the GA. I why, think. why is the timing right? Well, I think you need renewal in your own lives, and I think organisations need renewal. Um, for me, I always thought in this sort of job, after about 10 years, you you know, you start to maybe become a bit institutionalised in your thinking and, and those sort of things. Um, is it hard when you run up, when you have got strong views about you know, reform and you're in the middle of some pretty significant reform at the moment? Yeah. When you run into people that aren't like-minded and don't want to come along, does that make it – does that sharpen the need for change? I think thinking? so because 
for a few reasons. One is, you know, you feel like you're fighting a sort of one-person war. Mm. And the last three years have felt a bit like that. But also sometimes for the organisation, a fresh face to come mm. in and have different discussions and think about things differently because you can build up some scar tissue is probably the wrong word, but but you can build up some resistance in some of those things over time. And I think particularly for one golf, I think a fresh face coming in will actually be really helpful for the process. So um, I think uh, I think from that perspective, it'll be great. You know, for me, there's there's always a bit of sadness with something like this. It's yeah. such a big part of your life. And, um, and I think the wonderful thing, the best thing about my job is the people, the people that I've worked with, uh, the people that play the game, the people that volunteer their time. And you just, the sense of leaving that is quite... I bet it is. Yeah, it's quite tangible. But um, I guess the good thing... For me, I feel like I've built up a lot of relationships that'll endure past me leaving GA. And I think for me, the two things I really wanted to achieve were when I finished to have a sense within my myself that I'd done a good job. Because I think sometimes you get credit for things you haven't really done much on. And sometimes you get blamed for things that aren't really your, your <laughs> fault. Um, so I think internally, just knowing that you've done a, a lot of good stuff is important. And then beyond that, I wanted to have really good friendships and relationships. Um, so I think I'm happy about both those things. You'll drop a few on the way out too. You don't need. You don't need. There's a couple of others <laughs> in the studio. Pity you probably don't need to take them with you wherever you go next. I wouldn't have thought. Geez, I was just getting all emotional too. <laughs> listening to that, had to just in, inject a little bit of ins- caustic inside the ropes in here. It was getting a bit too emotional in here. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm personally sad, Steve. You, I think you know that. Um, that you're, you're heading out. I'm, has you mentioned it a couple of times there? One golf, has it been sort of, um, not the straw that breaks the camel's back, but is it is it too big a, an ask for for one person to get through? Is it a is it a monumental challenge that's facing Australian golf? I think often if you look at these things, the people that the person that does a lot of the hard lead up work often isn't there to get to enjoy it, if you like. Um, so that's the road. Your hoe, but for me, it was something we absolutely had to to pursue. And um, you still believe that? Oh, aren't abs- you? absolutely. And I think, you know, the last twelve months have been difficult at times, and um, not everything's gone as well as we would have liked. But it's still the right thing for Australian golf. It's still the right thing for Australian sport uh, because sports have got to become more efficient and better governed and better aligned. And um, so I, I absolutely have no regrets about that at all. So if we take it as red then that the next person's probably going to push on with that, where do you see Australian golf in five, ten years? Do we have no GA and PGA and ALPG separately as well? Yeah, I think there's there's some work to be done on that, that front. Uh, and the bodies do do some different things. But I, I could see a model like that. Um, and I think the way you need to do that is everyone giving up control and having a, an AFL-type commission um, structure that looks over after the whole game. Um, so that's, that, to me, is achievable. But I think, sequentially, you need to get one golf locked in first and functioning well, and then you can look at, at how you could bring the total industry together. Um, but I think the more efficient you can be, the more we can be aligned so that the PGA teaching pro in the field has a really clear understanding of the vision of the sport and what their role is in, in growing the sport. Cause we've got great grassroots strength. It's how do you bring that all together and point it in the one direction? So, uh, yeah, I think that is achievable, but it's, um, there's a fair bit of work to be done. And I think you need a really big restructure to do it. Does it, does it, don't go into all the details, all the reasons, because I'm sure there are too many, but do those who are resisting it, do their objections make sense to you? Can you see sense in the reasons that they haven't signed up already? Oh, yeah, I can understand it for sure. Um, and look, it is a big, it's a big change. And in I think in any endeavour, change is always difficult. And I think in golf, it's really difficult mm. because mm. we're pretty good at keeping the status quo. Um, and I do think one of my uh, older directors, not in age, but <laughs> in terms of service a while ago, Michael Samuels, made the comment, status quo for golf is is not a good option. Mm. And I do think that's the case, that we've got to be looking at how we, we change and how we can bring the great strength of the sport 
and really uh, lasso it together and make sure we're getting the most out of it. From a tournament perspective and where Australian golf sits in the world, what's the heartbeat like, do you reckon? Is it, is it strong? Is it, is it waning? Is it okay? Where, where does it sit, do I think reckon? we're currently going well in that space, but it's, it's, it's challenging mm. um, because it's cost in the men's game. It costs a lot of money to get the top players down here and the, the economic model doesn't really work uh, as well as it, it used to. Mm. Um, but you're, you're paying top dollar to get the people that move the needle through the gates. Uh, so I think there does need to be some thought about that. Do you look at a different model and trying to build the events up um, with add-on type events? You know, we, we look at things like Spring Carnival and how great those sort of events are and they've become a social event. Um, and it probably doesn't matter that much what horses are running purists will mm. shoot me down, but um, it's they've become great events um, outside of it's true. Um, yeah. you know, having Group 1 champions running. But uh, So maybe golf's got to look at, at how it could evolve in that space. Um, the model with, with the girls is is a lot more understandable and sensible. You know, If you link with a really strong tour like LPGA, they've got a great capacity to bring a lot of their best players down. Mm. Um, so that model is is more, um, I think, in, uh, sustainable into the future. Um, so, yeah, I think we're in a, in a tricky space, uh, but Australian sport is like that. I, mean, mm. I think someone was talking to me about Southern California has 14 professional teams and has about the same population as Australia, and I think we have 79 yeah. that we're, we're supporting. So the, the model in Australia is, is really tough, and there's a number of sports that are, that are finding that at the moment, our sponsorship markets is is more competitive than, than most other places and sponsors are looking for a bigger return on investment mm. uh, perhaps than some other places. Doesn't it highlight what you said before, though, about yeah, the it, need to it does. restructure? It does, because we, we've we got to keep evolving and keep changing and keep being more efficient. And I think that's the case for all sports, but particularly for golf. So has you mentioned the women's model, and Stace knows about this better than Hazy and I do, but the collaboration that that tournaments down here have with the big two tours, how close have we come? And I know the PGA has, you know, the European tour connection, but and the Victorian Open is is developing those connections. But how close have we become to laying out a a raft of um, tournaments across our Australian sweep, our Australian summer, that are all co-sanctioned? Has, has that been? Uh, it's it's tricky, Andy, just because um, I think there's always been a dream about PGA Tour and trying to get uh, one of the men's events to that mm. level. Then you've got things like President's Cup and World Cup that have come in uh, on a on a different basis uh, over the years as well. So it, it is really tricky to get um, a swing that's effectively all European Tour or PGA mm. Tour. Um, European Tour is probably more achievable, but um, PGA Tour is difficult just because of the raw numbers you need to actually get um, prize money and so forth. So they signed a deal that was announced 24 hours ago about their new TV rights deal. Nine-year deal, kicks in in 2022. They're not going backwards. Like they're owning more of the space. Yeah. How hard is it to get heard by them? When, when you go, hey, listen, we're down here and – you know, we've got some good players and we've, we've been a fairly key player in golf for a long time. And look what we do when we have a thing like the President's Cup down here. Mm. How hard does it get heard as the CEO of Golf Australia when you talk to the PGA Tour? Yeah, look, I, th- I think there's challenges with that. And I, and I think that's where our PGA uh, have a, a closer bond because they're nat- natural bond with the tours and then they're on the International Federation of Tours yeah. uh, and Talking to Gavin Kirkman, I think he feels that they they get heard quite well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they have more direct contact uh, with the US tour than, than what we do. Um, I think it's US tour has a really critical role to play in world golf. And I think they really absolutely need to understand that because they dominate you know, world golf. Um, Decisions they make have a massive impact on local tours and, and how golf gets played around the world. Um, so I, I think 
if the US tour embraces that and has a, a really strong global view, I think it's, it's uh, for the good of, of the if. game around the world. Seems a big if, doesn't it? Like we, we lament that. Yeah. I'm sure you'd probably tune in occasionally, but mm. we lament that <laughs> routinely on this show and we get a bit fired up about it from time to time. But it yeah. does seem yeah. it's the big if out yeah. there in world golf, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, and I think what you know we've seen that <clears throat> the US season lengthen and that puts pressure on dates. And I mean, mm. dates are one of the biggest issues for tournaments mm. um, because you're always trying to dodge international events. You, of course. You, and yeah. you're, you're yep. concerned about, well, we'd rather not run up against an Ashes cricket test. and Yep. Do you, do you feel like you want to rip the gloves off and just go to war and, you know, punch on for Australia? Do you want to, do you, I know you've always wanted to represent Australia, Steve. Do you feel like this is, <laughs> you know, you could, you could really make a name for yourself here? <laughs> Look, I, I think you, you just got to understand that different organizations and people within organizations have different interests and, um, and I think the challenge for golf is how do you make sure there's a global view for the game? And what is good for the game should be good for the US tour and should be good for Australia and those sort of things. So it's, it's about how do you create a mindset on, on bringing people together. And, and look, we're not part of the um, International Federation of Tours, but you know, Gavin said they do talk about global issues. And, um, but I, I, yeah, from my perspective, there's more that could be done to help tours because effectively if, if Australian golf tournament golf dies or, or disappears, it has a negative impact on the game globally. We need uh, flag bearers for the game, both men and women um, coming from around the world. Mm -hmm. I mean, look at, you look at Sanjay Im, just his, um, you know, his last sort of 12 months mm -hmm. have been phenomenal. Uh, and he looks like he's going to be a superstar. How great is that for, for golf uh, around the world and yeah. in the Southern Hemisphere. It's great for President's Cup too. Mm. Mm -hmm. Now, firstly, Steve, uh, don't listen to Mario about who you've got to keep your relationship with, okay? <laughs> um, you make those choices on that one. Don't. Uh, to, you're cleaning up the opposition on the weekend here too. <laughs> we more, to, more about that in a minute, yeah. I think. We yeah. won't need to go into that on the podcast. It probably needs a whole podcast, Mario. Yeah, you know, the tax that. department finding out about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just wanted to ask Steve, um, you know, through your time and um, obviously Vision 2025 has been a big, I guess you've been a big driving force uh, behind that. Um, have you been happy with how that's gone the past couple of years and happy with where it's headed, I guess? Uh, yes and yes, although that's probably between Vision 2025 and, and One Golf would be the two things I would love to have been further down the path on. Um, and someone asked me a while ago, what do you want your legacy to be? And it, it would be around having a game that's really attractive um, and healthy for, for women and girls around Australia because I think that's great for Australia. It's great for the women and girls in our lives, but it's also great for golf. Mm. Um, I think golf needs that. Uh, so I would have liked to have been a bit further down the pathway on that, um, but I'm still quite proud of the work that was done to set it up and, and to create the vision and, and um, to package it together and bring people together to buy into it. Uh, and the, the work to employ, you know, people like yourself and, and Shiloh uh, to be the face of, of this movement is really important. I think they were good decisions. Um, I'm not just saying that. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you're, you. A, <laughs> you're a wonderful golf partner. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And thank you for being the driving force behind all of that, Steve. Yeah. Do we put this yeah. on the table right now, this golfing, or do we keep going? Yeah, yeah, wow, go I mean, these two, Andy, it's making me sick. Yeah. I'm glad you're in between them, actually. Oh, there's yeah. a love fest going on. They've, they've fleeced um, Brad James, our high-performance boss, and Felicity Johnson, who will be on the podcast mm -hmm. a little later. They've, they've taken them to the cleaners yesterday. Maybe we just get into it in more details when Flick comes in, Mate, actually. So. Yeah, maybe, because I don't think I want to hear Steve talk about this, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, you oh, got a question? Well, yeah, I've yeah. got a couple yeah. of questions. One, yeah. one, Steve, just linking what Stace said, which was a serious question, and what we were talking about before. Um, a lot of people, including some voices on this podcast, talk about the success of the Vic Open format, and you were talking about the challenges that lay out in front of the Men's Australian Open. The logical question, therefore, to ask is, do we see that same format employed by the Australian Open, given that it's globally groundbreaking? Yeah, look, I think you keep that option on the table. It's a little bit harder right now because we've got contracts, separate contracts with the men's and women's Opens 
men's opens obviously in New South Wales till 2023 and then women's open is in SA and that could be another four years uh, in SA um, just depending on contract options and, and so forth. So so right now, long term, those two are, are separated. Uh, so you'd need to do some work to actually change that. Um, but I think, yeah, to me, I love the fact of the men and women playing together. Uh, and I think it's really held back golf over a long period of time, this segregation. <clears throat> and what we're seeing, I think one of the things that's happened in my time is a lot of clubs have embraced change in this area. Now we're a, a little way down a, a journey. There's some, some work to be done. But, but even clubs that um, had this sort of view that the world would, would cave in if, if women were playing on Saturdays, it's happened and everyone's gone, well, uh, life, life's good and it's working well. Um, so I think those sort of changes will gather momentum and I think golf will be much better for it. And I, and I do believe that tournaments have a, a really important role to play in showcasing that. So I think that's one of the great things about Vic Open. Um, <clears throat> right now, contractually, it's harder with, uh, with uh, the, the Australian Opens, um, but I wouldn't say it's impossible, but there needs to be some water to go under that bridge. I want to talk about the need to push the water a bit quicker, perhaps, but no, in all seriousness, the I want to know what you think the best, or the, sorry, the, the biggest misconception from the average golfing punter on the street or at their club is about Golf Australia? Oh, that's, I don't know. I've never really um, thought about that. Um, There's been different things at different times. Uh, When we changed handicap system, there was, uh, there was talk about license fees of a million dollars here and there going to different organizations, which has never been right. I think probably one thing is just the amount of spend on high performance. I think there's an assumption that we spend bucket loads of money on high performance. And the reality has always been we get money from government and we've got private benefactors that donate for a very specific cause around high performance. And it's not that we choose to put that in high performance. It's that's where they want the money to go. Uh, and same with government. They're really directive on, on the spend and where it's got to go. So for GA, our spend around high performance is really married up with what we're getting um, from government and private support. So it's not like there's buckets of money that, that we take out of, say, capitation fees or anything like that. Um, so for us, the, the big driver has and always will be how do we grow the game. Um, and I think one of the things I'm you know, proud of in my time is we've, I think when I started, we had one person in game development. That was a little bit of an anomaly because mm. someone left, but the number of people in game development was you know, one or two. Um, and we're up around 31 or something like that. So just the growth, um, we've always said that we're here to grow golf and the biggest success for us is more people playing the game. Um, not memberships? Not necessarily. Mem- not. Like memberships are a great indicator yep. and golf clubs love membership because it means you've got rusted on supporters, you've got security around your cash flow, all those mm. sorts of things. So, you know, we understand why membership's better than the non-membership, um, but I think the two are linked. The more people you can get playing the game, the greater possibility you've got around mm. that converting to membership. And part of that then becomes up to clubs. How well can they give a product offering that actually helps people convert from just playing the game to becoming a member? Last one from me, and it's outside of the GA kind of purview, but the Premier Golf League, has it got any chance from where you sit? You understand the global sort of pressures on the game better than we do. Yeah, it's got a chance, but it's been hanging around for a while. Um, and I think um, at some point something needs to happen. Um, you know, there were deadlines sort of, of last year. Um, but, but I understand they've raised capital, um, so it, it's, it's a chance. Mm. Um, I think golf is actually ripe for disruption. If you look mm. at different sports, um, golf is certainly ripe there for disruption and it could have really positive impacts uh, for golf globally. Um, but I think it'll come down to can they get the, the top male players that, to commit and, and go across. Um, so that'll be an interesting um, battle. Right for disruption. Yeah, if, we, well, if, we, if, we titled our pro, if we titled our episodes, 
ripe for disruption. I reckon that's a good title for this one. It is a great phrase. Yeah. It just seems to me, I mean, it all comes back to, you know, can we get, not all everything, but several of these issues come back to can we get people with a lot of money and not that much care mm. in a Northern Hemisphere country south of Canada to, um, you know, have a global passion for the game. Big if. We talked about it. Um, thanks for what the, the on, amongst the many things that you've yeah. done in your stewardship, the the two big, you know, far-reaching sort of vision policy things are bold and tough, and it's been a lot for you to carry. And I think you've carried it really well. Hopefully, it gets carried on with the same rigor and enthusiasm that you launched it with, because I think we all around here think that they're really worthwhile mm. kind of policy directions for the game to take, uh, and we'd love to see the work that you started get finished. I'm sure it will. I mean, um, my job is a great job, and I'm sure whoever comes along next will will approach it uh, in a similar way and understand what's important for the game and and bring passion and Mm. and drive to make those things happen. And for for me, it was was an incredible time in my life. Um, I know when I started, um, I had about – six weeks down in Melbourne and had to go back to Brizzy for Christmas because my wife was finishing off um, her school year up there. And uh, when I sat down, I said, I think we've made a really bad mistake with this job. Um, I said, why? And I said, I think they need someone a lot smarter than me. Um, Because it was the first, um, I didn't sleep much those first few months because we were bankrupt and the opens were losing between them a couple of million dollars a year we had three opens australian opens that had to be played at moona links in the next five years um mfs had gone under we had a countdown clock on the wall as to when the um the administrators could take that money back from us so they were they were pretty worrying times um so sort of to be sitting here in 2020 <laughs> you must when you put it that way it feels like You've come a long way in a pretty short period of time. Like you forget, you actually forget about a bit of that, don't you? Well, you do, and I even forget about forgot about it because um, I've only thought about it um, because I've had to the last sort of month um, (laughs) thinking about leaving. So you think back on that, and they were the first couple of years were incredibly tough. You know, we had uh, our commercial director left on my second day. Um, Couldn't get a TV network to take the Australian Open um, staff turnover. We had 44 staff leave the organisation in the first couple of years out of a staff of about 30. We were down to 17. Like it was pretty, um, it was pretty tough. It was funny. I had um, in my credenza, I don't know why it was there. There was a half drunk bottle of gin uh, that was sitting in my credenza <laughs> when I arrived and it, I think it's actually still sitting there. <laughs> Are you going to finish it, Steve? Do you think? Well, I thought I'd bring it out on the last day, but my <laughs> My PA one day said, you know, Stephen, at least I know you don't have a drinking problem. <laughs> and I, Been there for 11 years. Yeah, so I think gin gets better. I don't know. <laughs> but I'd like to crack it on the last day. Uh, get Blakey to try it. He's the expert in that, wouldn't you? That's true. I, he yeah. Would, yeah. I want to thank Steve, too. Yeah, you and should. From yeah. On a personal yeah. perspective, I think you've been you know, exceptional to deal with before I worked with GA and, and then be a not only a boss, but a friend. And I appreciate that more than you know. And, um, for, you know, there's going to be knockers. There always are in all aspects of this role, but, uh, I think you've done <laughs> so much more than, than, you know, positive than negative. Thanks. Thanks, Hazy. It's That's been a tough uh, one. Yeah. 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 Thanks for being a good friend of the pod too. We yeah, appreciate yeah. you coming on. Pleasure. Good on you. Stephen Pitt, the outgoing CEO of Golf. Sorry, when do you finish up? Just uh, Well, I'm in Japan, I think, at this point, coronavirus yeah, permitting, yeah. um, on my last day, which is, I think, technically the 20th or 21st of March. So it's coming up um, pretty quick. We're going to talk to Flick Johnson about that next. Yeah. So one last one. Do you think you're talking about right for disruption? Can you see... Any of the major golf championships getting played with nobody and others, no need for any ropes. Can you can you see that happening in two thousand and twenty? It'd be tricky, tricky for majors, but I think for for normal tournaments, absolutely. Mm. Um, and I think it would be so much better if you could, because particularly some of those majors, you're really removed from the action. I mean, no crowds whatsoever. Oh, no crowds yeah, whatsoever. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, potentially. I mean, the Tokyo Marathon was was held with no people. They had 
people at the airport with signs saying, please don't go. Um, so yeah, it could definitely Chance. happen. I mean, I'm, yeah. I'm intrigued about Tokyo, uh, Olympics. Yeah. I just wonder what's, what's happening there, whether things are going to get worse. If they get worse, I think we're, we're in trouble. If they start getting better, mm. um, and which hopefully they will, um, then we, we can get back on track. But I think it, the next six months are intriguing globally for, for everything, but, um, but also for sport in particular. Thanks for coming on. Yeah, pleasure. Stephen Pitt, CEO of Golf Australia. Flick Johnson's going to tell us what sort of impact this might have on players um, around the world when she joins us next. Welcome back to the show. Oh, we just touched on coronavirus with Stephen Pitt on the way out and its potential impact on the game more broadly. Um, let's have a sort of drill down and, as to how it might impact um, individual players and a friend of everybody here at Inside the Ropes. Hasn't been on the show nearly often enough. Is Felicity Johnson, who's been good enough to join us on the show. Lovely to see you. G'day. Thanks for having me on today. You say g'day very well these days. And I've had it's, a few weeks to practice yeah. now. No, it comes out very, very naturally. Got the lingo down. So how's this going? You and Hazy and I, let's just have a broad round table chat here rather than sort of drill it all through you. You and I were having a chat. You've been talking to Anthony Quayle, who was talking to you about, you know, some of the challenges confronting individual players. You've been talking states to Karis Davidson. So let, let's let's give people out there who listen to the show a sense of how this is going to impact individual players and how that and the, how that knock-on effect looks. Well, I might start on the European tour and work to Japan and then let you take over on the Japan side. And you just jump side. and flick whenever you want. Yeah. Yep. So the Kenya um, leg of the European tour has been cancelled, um, which in and of itself is, you know, nothing disastrous. But what it means, and I can only use Australian players as an example, yep, yep. is someone like a Jake McLeod who's got limited status on the European tour, having got it through Q School, they're the tournaments he's focusing on. So uh, he's not necessarily a you know, walk-up start to the bigger events in Europe later in the year with bigger money, all that sort of gear. Uh, so in, when tournaments like this get bowled over, and then there's also the, the May Bank that Matty Cutler mentioned last week, and also the Volvo China Open, they were both being meant to be played in the middle of April after mm. the Masters. They're gone by the, the, the boards at the moment anyhow. Uh, they're not cancelled, but they're postponed. Um, what it does is it really creates a vacuum for the, I guess, the lesser known players. Yeah, second and third tier players, right? Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and, and you know, it, when and where do they play? So in, in talking to Anthony Quayle a little bit earlier, um, they're basically on hold, the men's tour in Japan. Um, not... There are no tournaments cancelled yet because they're still four or five weeks away from the start. But he basically intimated to me that uh, whatever the IOC, International Olympic Committee, decides around Tokyo, the Games, the Olympic Games, uh, that will impact on what they do. So if, if the IOC comes out and says, all right, the Olympics is off or postponed or whatever, Japan men's tour will be basically in line with that off, which is quite remarkable and I know it's already happened, Stace, on the women's side. Yeah, definitely. Uh, talking of Karis Davidson. So she's two events so far in Japan have been cancelled. And she actually doesn't know when she's playing next. Um, so they're supposed to get some notice on Friday if they're going to tee up the following week. Or they've been said, you know, more information will come out Friday. So it's kind of just a waiting game. I mean, Karis went up there. Um, a few days earlier than usual for the first event, just as preparation. You know, it's freezing up there right now. So she thought she'll just go a bit early. She, yeah, she got up there like the Friday before the week of, you know, the the coming event. And yeah, I think on the Sunday they cancelled. So she stayed there for the weekend and flew home. So this is fine if you're, <laughs> if you're Tiger Woods. Sure. But if you're exactly. Karis Davidson mm. or Jake McLeod or Felicity Johnson, this mm -hmm. is hard, Yaka, because you can see your, your – you know, your savings and your and your, your game plan being whittled away. Yeah, so my situation, um, I finished the New South Wales Open in Dubbo um, start of March, so Sunday before last. And this is Ladies European yeah, Tour. Ladies European Tour, finished there. Uh, the last event on our Australian swing. Um, we had a two-day unofficial uh, pro-am. So it didn't count for the LET Tour, but 36 players, guaranteed money, great hotel that which looks after us, so everyone's going to go. So most players went straight after the New South Wales Open from Sydney to Abu Dhabi. Direct flight, got there fine. I thought I'd come back to Melbourne for a few days, see some friends, hang out here, and then make my way there Wednesday night. Um, 
I'm about to leave for the airport, or about an hour before I was due to leave for the airport Wednesday night, I get a message from a friend in Abu Dhabi saying, don't go to the airport just yet. Uh, I think this event's going to get cancelled. It was due to start Friday. Um, so I was getting there Thursday morning to just tee up and go Friday, really. Um, this is last week. This is last week. Yeah. So I kind of delay my packing a bit longer and I'm starting to cut it a bit fine to get to the airport. I then get a message from the tour and from friends there saying, right, event's off. Jeez. So this is at six o'clock Wednesday evening. My flight's at 10.30 that night, 15-hour flight to Abu Dhabi. So for an event starting starting Friday. Friday. Yeah. So, but it's a, it's an unofficial one. It's not LAT sanctioned. It was just a bit of fun mm. uh, as a pro am. Um, so I panic a little bit, freeze a little bit, do what any normal person does in that situation. Phone your mum. <laughs> they always know what to do, whether you like it or not. They've they've always got the best advice. So my options were either go to the airport, fly to Abu Dhabi. Uh, Does your mum run Emirates Airlines? <laughs> no, she, it's a good job she doesn't. She doesn't always give great advice, but this time she did. She she said, look, you're in Australia, stay there. You don't want to get stuck in Abu Dhabi should travel regulations change. Yep. So that's what I did. I went to the pub, had a couple of beers, tried to figure out what to do next. So at that point, it's just sort of a waiting game um, because it went, Abu Dhabi finished on Saturday, just gone. There was a week off when I was meant to be playing golf in Dubai just with some friends. And then Saudi Arabia starts the 19th of March. So, Which is a big, uh, yeah, a big mi- LET event. Million yeah. dollar prize fund. Yeah. First year on the schedule. Um, the men were there a few weeks ago. So it's for the first year of the tournament, they're doing everything they can to make it a great experience for us. So we, I'm just waking up to emails every morning with new travel updates, new advisories, which I have to say the LET have been great at keeping us informed of, as to what's going on with regard to the Saudi event. So the girls that are in Abu Dhabi last week, they got a few days holiday. Um, the hotel looked after us. The golf courses looked after us. If you wanted to go play golf anywhere, they looked after you. Um, they, some of the girls were then going to fly back to the UK um, that I'd spoke to, like Beth Allen was going to fly back to the UK for five days, then fly back to Abu Dhabi, then to Saudi. They were then told, don't leave Abu Dhabi because you might not be able to get back in. So this is... This is either Thursday or Friday. Don't leave. So I'm going to use Beth as an example because I know her situation. She cancelled her flight. She just booked back to the UK, got a travel credit. So she's staying there for the whole week. So that's Friday. Saturday night, she texts me. We've got eight hours to leave the UAE. Um, Otherwise, we can't get to Saudi Arabia because there's travel bans coming into force. So obviously, everybody's panicking that's there. Um, There's probably 30 players there that then are intending to play Saudi that if they stayed beyond midnight that day, they wouldn't be allowed to play. So panicking, everybody's there. The tour, the, the LET speak to the Saudi promoters, who in turn speak to the Saudi government, get us an extension for 24 hours, so everyone's able to leave the country by Sunday night, get a stamp in their passport to say they're out by a certain time, so they can play Saudi in two weeks' time. So it's... It's unbelievable. It's just it? crazy. It's, I yeah. mean... It's and we should acknowledge the fact. Like it's, so just put a stamp on this. It's the 10th of March while we're having this conversation to give it some perspective yep. on when you're listening. And we should, we're ever mindful, all of us, that there are people who are getting really sick. Absolutely. And so, yep. so they're the, but these are, we're talking about golf here and we're talking about the impact on golf. Yeah. So we, we do that mindful of what's going oh, on absolutely. elsewhere. absolutely. And know. none of us want to make this any worse than it needs to be, but it's just evolving every day. Mm. And it's so hard for the tour and the event organizers to know what to do. Because no one can see into the future to know what's going to happen next. So it is just a day-by-day uh, situation. So the latest this morning is um, I was thinking about leaving on Saturday um, to get to Saudi Arabia Sunday. I saw I'd fly Melbourne to Abu Dhabi, Abu Dhabi to Jeddah. Not going to book any flights yet because I'm still it's still not 100% on, but as of at the moment it is. And the later you leave it, the more expensive it gets. Correct. Yep. Um, and as of today until... Thursday, so two days' time, um, all flights from the UAE to Jeddah have been grounded. Wow. So now looking at it this morning, if I want to get to Jeddah next week, my easiest way, and I say this reluctantly, is to fly back to the UK and then fly to Jeddah from there. Seems to be the only way I'm going to be able to get there, I think, as it currently stands. It's just... It's crazy. 
most of the time we have Stacey in here and you think she bemoans the fact that she's not still a touring pro in India. <laughs> right now, she's her eyes are just going, bugging out, going, I'm so glad I'm so, done with that. So how many people, if crazy. you don't work, you don't get paid, right? In, yep. in your game, right? Yep. So how many people are, are starting to stress about finances? I'd say, I'd, I'd say the last couple of months, the European tour has been really positive. We've got a great schedule this year and... It's like the tours, there's something going on that someone's controlling because we've got this great schedule and now we don't know where we're going to be able to play. Mm. So there's been a lot of optimism to start the year, but now people are starting to look at events and question. I mean, the sporting events in France have been affected. We have events there. We have events in Spain. Um, they've, started to, they've had a lot of cases the last couple of days. So no one can predict what's going to happen. So it is starting to be a bit... Do you think twenty percent maybe of players play from cut to cut? Um, or is that stretching a bit? Too I'd, far? I'd, maybe maybe a bit less than that. I'd say um, there's some. The ladies' game is getting better, as as we all know. But I think a lot of the Europeans that play have some financial support from their federations um, and from sponsors back home. So it's probably not as bad as it was a few years ago. Okay. Um, but still, it's just like you said. The later you leave it. And Things just, are going to get butt up, and you're just burning cash. Ah, oh, just just cruising through life, and you just uh, no, but it is like it's yeah, it's yeah. Just, so you so federal, job. You've got it's to live their on a job right day now. Yeah. So so federal governments like in in Australia, we have you know emergency. They will make emergency funding available to keep businesses afloat and in times of you know um, of times of of, of stress. Does the LET have any kind of hardship fund? No, no, no. I'm not, when I say hardship, I'm not saying you guys are on the bones of your backside or yeah. anything. But is there a fund? Is there a pool that can be made available to players in times of exceptional circumstances? I would say at the moment, no, no. But there's been this collaboration with the LPGA um, as of the end of last year, and they have deep resources in the LET do. Mm. Whether that can play a factor uh, in the weeks to come. Um, I'm sure, I mean, the, there's an LET event in South Africa this week um, and they're looking at putting, that the Saudi uh, promoters are looking at putting a charter on from South Africa to Saudi Arabia maybe. It, there's lots of speculation about what's going to happen. Um, but possibly with this LPJ involvement, they might be able to help us uh, moving forward um, with expenses we, we, that we've lost in yeah, yeah, yeah. reimbursements, that sort of yeah, thing. That just comes out of future earnings, you know, Correct, whatever, yeah. however deep you dig into this thing. They, they keep it. Yeah. yeah, it's not that difficult if the money sits if, yeah, in a if, pool somewhere. Um, you know, if, if they've got promoters it. can help out yeah. or yeah. look, anything will take. I think moving forward, it will just take anything that we can. Uh, and, and I'm sure all the tournaments want the events to go ahead, but they've just got to be uh, mindful of the situation that we find ourselves in. Of course. Mm. Um, another one on that topic, also Grace Kim, who's playing uh, women's Augusta this year. Um, she got notice a few days ago, just as a warning that there is, you know. There's talk that that may not happen as well. So. Well, America's crap. I mean, what's stuff going on in America? And because they're so state by state driven, you know, there's a state of emergency three days ago called in by the mayor of New York City. So, so it's in. What I was listening to a podcast this morning up in Washington State, where there's been this sort of emerging realization that they've got potentially heaps more people in that neck of the woods that have got it than have been diagnosed as such. The governor of that state is talking about buying a hotel. So the state is thinking about buying a hotel with hundreds of rooms in it that can be used as a quarantine station. So if you've got it, if you display symptoms, because the hospitals can't cope, off you go. You go. So so this is New York. This is where you just where were you talking about? Augusta. Georgia. Augusta. You're talking yeah, about Georgia. Yeah, yeah. There's New York. So who knows? You know, and it's easy to be alarmist and like you say, flick, be gripped by panic at a time like this. Um, and I know you're a bit, you know, uh-huh. you're needing a bit more evidence, Hazy, than what previously, what currently exists. But you know, whether some of these, um, some of these uh, decisions are being made out of the right for the right reasons. Yeah, or not, and if you look at the, the tennis got cancelled yesterday at yeah, Indian, Indian Wells, Wells yeah. which is obviously a, a massive, massive event, and yeah. that's in California. Yeah, mm. um, and then A and A is coming up in California. Yeah, it, like, it almost. Set, I, I feel it almost sets a precedent if. So a massive uh, ATP tournament gets cancelled, then I'm not sure how other events can go ahead. Yeah, it sets legal uh, it, precedents. Yeah. Sure. yeah, that's what I was thinking that's with A and A. 
because I was like, well, if they've cancelled Indian Wells, I'm like, why can then the A and A go ahead? Think, I'm, I'm go fascinated ahead. by the fact that you just said Grace Kim got the warning from Augusta yeah. National because <laughs> what's the difference between the Augusta National Women's Amateur and the and the Masters the following Correct. week? Correct, that's where so, I was yep. going with that. Yeah, oh, well, <laughs> is that on the? Is that on the? Well, look again, it wouldn't stop me from going. If if this was my once in a lifetime trip plan to go to the Masters, correct, I'd or be the like same. Grace, I'd be going in a heartbeat. Yeah, you know, if, what, if when, she has that choice. Yeah, yeah. When, when do you next get the chance to play in this yep. event or mm-hmm. go to a tournament as a spectator? But likewise, if you are somebody who's a bit concerned about this stuff and easily rattled, you know how you know how jam packed you get in around some of those greens at Augusta. Mm. Like you're not far away from other people. No, no. And no if way. this is your shoulder to shoulder, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So you know what? I mean? And I, look, I'm not trying to be alarmist here, but I can understand why. Um, why organisations and and organising bodies are starting to be mindful of, Jesus, can we afford, from a litigation perspective potentially down the track, can we afford to be inviting all of these people into our stadia that we control um, and potentially walking away with a, you know. That's the thing to me though, Andy, is that, you know, people are now making decisions based on their own legal fears. Oh, well, yeah. You know, rather than scientific medical fears. And and the impact of coronavirus is vast. We've, we've mentioned that. And we're very sorry for the people who are afflicted by mm. it and their, their friends and family. But to me, you know, the impact is so much less than so many other things. And it's not, this isn't a medical show. Let's not worry about that. But, you know, the flu claims, not infinitely, but multiple mm. times more uh, issues it creates than than what this is doing, but the the uh, scare factor that you're mentoring, the scaremongering, is just off the charts, and it impacts people. And and you know people who don't have contracted jobs, like Flick, you know it's really starting to bite. And there's going to be bigger ramifications other than just medical ones. So we'll have to let mm-hmm. you know, as we sit here right now. What what's your what's immediately in front of you? When do you have to make a decision in the short term about um, what's next for you? I, I I said all along, I kind of thought to myself that I needed to book a flight by Thursday to leave on Saturday, um, which even for me is pretty last minute. Yep. Um, but I'd, I'd like to, well, I do think we'll have a decision by Thursday or Friday. Okay. Just for, because people have got to get there. I know a majority of people are a lot closer than I am coming from Australia, but um, they can't just leave it till Sunday and then cancel it. I don't think they've got to give us a little... Heads up. And for me, this situation isn't going to improve. Coronavirus isn't going to disappear the next few days. Oh. It's going to get a lot worse before it gets better. So um, I would maybe like to see decisions made a little bit more in advance. Um, but I know everybody's doing the best they can. So as it stands right now, I'll be leaving Saturday to get there somehow. That route is currently unclear, depending on what ports are open for my flights to go through. So um yeah, maybe follow my Twitter because it could get quite uh, interesting <laughs> in the next few days. Well, what's the <laughs> handle? For, for, what's for the few, handle? For, 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 yeah. um, at Flit Johnson Golf. There you go. That's that makes sense. Does this hey, give you any chance to sort of find that love of your life to get the passport that you so desperately need? Yeah. I mean, they do say everything happens for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, what, and what was Des suggesting? Well. Uh, I'm kind of stuck here. I can't leave. So maybe I could claim asylum. I don't know. Yeah. Can I have that? <laughs> no, we're good like that. It's Medical something to look into. Yeah. I can't leave to go anywhere. Yeah, no, so Australia's Medical good. asylum. Um, yeah. Maybe I might yeah. go Google that. End up at Christmas Island or something. <laughs> probably yeah, best actually, you don't hang do on. That. Yeah, don't do that. Um, good luck. Thanks Thank for you very in. much. Thanks for having Flick me on. Johnson, Thanks, LAT Flick. player. Uh, well known to so many down here and much loved by all. Uh, has got some issues and great to hear f- about it from a player's perspective, albeit... Um, not necessarily great news. Uh, a break on Inside the Ropes, tidy up the program after this. Welcome back to the show. A uh, little few bits and pieces we need to get to before we wrap up episode number 154 of Inside of the Ropes. Let me kick off our general business. Rory McElroy ticked over his 100th week uh, as the number one ranked player in the world. There's only been two others who have done that, since spent 100 weeks at number one. We both know. T. Gray? And Sharky. Correct. Greg. In terms of what, when we talk about Norman, just to, when we talk about Norman, we often talk about the ones that got away and we lament the fact that he only won two majors. <laughs> yeah. And that becomes the overarching sort of Greg Norman story in Australia. Do we spend enough time focusing on just how bloody great Greg nah. Norman was? Well, we don't I mean, do We don't, don't. He do does, it. but we don't. Yeah, well, maybe he does it for all of us. <laughs> But, you know, like he had 331 weeks, Tiger at 683. Rory becomes – this week becomes the third 
and just gets in at 100 weeks. So another double what Rory's already yep. done. Plus. And he's nearly up to green. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's it's pretty amazing, to be honest. When you it just, like, just it like dawned on me. I wonder, we spend a bit too much time talking about 96 and the ones that got away with Norman, but we should focus on yeah. a bit more often just on how bloody great he was. Wow. Uh, I mean, we, we, we are shocking with tall poppy syndrome. Yeah, we do. So, I think we are. Yeah, yeah we are. We're, we're, as a nation, we're horrendous with tall poppy syndrome. Stephen Bowder, Stephen Bowditch isn't. Did you see Tweedy put out? <laughs> I love this bloke. Yeah. Reducing the time allocated from five minutes to three minutes for my ball search has shaved 14 minutes off my golf game. <laughs> Thank you, USGA. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a, that is a tweet of the week. The he puts out some riffers, doesn't he? He is a very yeah. good follower. He's coming on soon. Yeah. You've been saying this I for know, a while. I know, but he's, he's not going to do anyone before he does that. <laughs> so right, though. Uh, what have you two got before we wrap it up? Um, what do we got, Hazy? A massive weekend down at Riversdale Golf Club, Stace. Um, Riversdale a cu- Cup. A couple of um, big winners. First of all, I want to mention the All Abilities Riversdale Cup, won by Warren Sutton, um, who had back fusion surgery um, in 2006. He used to be a scratch junior. Thought that the golf had left him. Uh, he's come back 55 uh, and, and won the first ever Riversdale All Abilities Cup. So congratulations to... Warren Sutton, uh, 55-year-old. Great, great story. Fantastic effort. Yep. Plays off three uh, at the Eastwood Golf Club. Uh, I guess in some respects, the uh, the amazing story is is of Lawrence Curtis, who's a, a your fellow member, Andy. Yes. At the, okay. At the uh, Peninsula Kingswood oh, Golf go. Club. And you, see, your shock on your face then, uh, as we break this news to you. Curto. <laughs> Tell, tells you all you don't know about Lawrence Curtis. Oh, I know him well, mate. Um, really hasn't been on anyone's radar, and he's knocked off a genuinely high-class field here um, to win. And, and he's done it at 10 under, and he did it in a remarkable – Tough school, mate, at Prince Hill Kingswood. Really? Good golfer you around there. A little good bit. golfer anywhere, mate. <laughs> it stacks um, up very nicely around the globe. A good game at that, those golf courses, Stace. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Is it really – it's really uh... – What's it done to your game down there, Andy? I wouldn't know. You Uh, haven't played it enough. No, that's correct. Cracking playoff between um, Curtis, uh, Hayden Barron of Perth, and Lewis Hoth of Queensland. Um, Very dramatic. I I won't go through the details, but if you read it on Blakey's story on golf.org.au, it's a cracking story. Um, Some great rounds to get into that playoff too. Yeah. What, they both shot, I think, 68. 68, yeah, and 66 as well. 66 from Lewis? Yeah. Yep. Amazing yeah. golf. Um, almost an albatross in the playoff, Andy, and then bogeys cost people on, on the same hole, that little short par 4 18th up yep. the hill. So it, yep. it's, it's quite a quite an amazing thing. Now, on the women's side, Stace, I know there's a story that's uh, a developing story with, on the on the women's side. Well, yes, uh, Janeth Wong came out uh, victorious uh, by just a slim margin of uh, six shots, yeah. I think. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, fantastic play from Janeth. Uh, rounds of... 69, 68, 73, I think. Is that right, Hazy? Um, yeah, so Janith is actually, uh, she's Malaysian and has been trying to get uh, citizenship here. So I guess... Uh, so those... will she be able to represent Australia at some stage? Uh, if she's citizen, she can. Uh, okay. She can't until uh, Well, until let's, what a who do we need to, is Peter Dutton's a good friend of the pod. <laughs> he's a good mate of yours, Hazy. Oh, yeah, no, he's right up my he's right up your alley. Dutton. Peter Dutton, maybe you could have a word to him. Um, yeah, she moved down here what, a couple of years, maybe two, three years ago to, uh, for her golf to try and help and develop in, her which golf. Which club is she a member of? Uh, Metropolitan. Yeah. Yeah. So. And a phenomenal player. 15 years of age? Yeah, correct. And she's just blitzed 15? this field. 15? 15, yeah. another black mm-hmm. booker. Yeah. It's God, hashtag right. golden era uh, deluxe here. Yeah, we just yeah. got to get her with a right flag on her bag. That's all for it to be part of hashtag golden era. That is true. Yeah. I actually, I met her when she was in Malaysia. We actually used to see um, the same coach, Stephen Giuliano. Up in Malaysia when she was uh, probably about this high, I've got some cool, right? yeah, I got some cool pictures yeah, uh, awesome. together that she brings up each time that yeah, great. Uh, That's great. <laughs> each time we catch up. So, um, yeah, hopefully, well, I don't know if you say for for Australia or for her, if you know, if she wants to get citizenship and it oh. does come through, then you know, good for her. And link, another link to Malaysia from a Queensland perspective this week too, Stace. Uh, yes, actually, we we did touch on the um, golf in Malaysia last week, but Laurie Flynn, the amateur. Tied 16th in the professional event uh, up there uh, with eight under par. So great event. Yeah. Good going. Great. 
great uh, for him. He's really um, he's showed some promise in some professional events. So oh, big lefty Andy. He good to see. Yeah, it so thirteen under miles. one. That that's that's yeah. going. That's really good. He smashes it, Laurie. He's yeah. a, he's a little erratic. I don't I hope he doesn't mind me saying that, but he's good. He's good. Mm, shot a wild 66. lefty. A wild. We lefty. love a wild lefty. There's been a couple of those who have gone all right over the journey. That's true. Mm. Not only wild golf left. either. That's correct, on and off the course. Easy, <laughs> some better than others. Um, and also uh, on the Symmetra Tour, yeah. um, we only had uh, we had three Aussies playing, Robin Choi, Steph Nair and Julian Sue. But Robin Choi was the only one to make the cut there in a T34. Okay, so very first, good. First uh, Symmetra event uh, for the year. Sandy, some more news on the high-performance side of things this week. We're going to announce on. I'm going to announce it here. Mm. I know we're going to technically do it later it's in the week, but news, I'm going to, yeah, that's right. going to all happen here. I'm going to announce the Golf Australia rookie squad uh, for 2020. Uh, they all get um, some funding towards their various pro endeavours around the world. Super important, this, I reckon. Yep. This is massively important, yep. taking the yep. transition from elite amateur through to the next level of game. I think this is uh, where you actually, you know, where you need it the most. You've come out from being like a top amateur, you know, getting a lot of support, and in your rookie years, I think that's where. Yeah, you really oh, do need to, the support. I have, to, I have to pay for that, do I? That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, ex- that's yeah. exactly the comments. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and we, we, yeah, we heard, heard, heard from Flick earlier on how, how hard this part of it is. Oh, bloody hope so, it is, yeah. Uh, so the, the Tier 1 athletes, as they're called now, but the rookie squad uh, members are Jake McLeod, Maverick Ancliffe, Dylan Perry, Robin Choi, Becky Kay, Karis Davidson, mm-hmm. uh, Brett Coletta, Zach Murray, and where am I here? Steph Kiriaku, Blake Windred, and Travis Smythe. Um, so congratulations to yeah, them absolutely. all. It's a huge achievement. I think another fascinating thing about this is we've had four um, four players who have basically become graduates of last year's one as well. So that, as I just scanned down through my notes here, uh, Minwoo Lee. I've got to find these names here. Stace, can you talk? Hannah Green. Thank you. Keep talking to me. There are two others who have graduated. Cam Davis. Have you helped me with the other one? Lucas Herbert. There you go. You've got him. See? I had to just think hard there. No, there you, you've, you've swam well against the tide then. Yeah, it was, it was going yeah. Thanks yeah. for all the help then too, Andy. Right. That is, um, so those, that's, those really four. that's where, I guess, Golf Australia wants to see it getting, that these guys are, you know, they're okay without this support. Still yeah. within, you know, they're still eligible to apply, but they, you know, they have said that they don't need the financial support. They want still the support from Golf Australia, but not the financial support. And that's really, that's where we want it to be getting. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And yeah. you want them to continue as they all, all are going to, to help out the uh, athletes coming up underneath in the give back style that's been implemented. So huge, yeah. huge results there. So one last thing, Andy, uh, actually two things. The world's largest amateur prize pool in golf has been announced. It's the Outback Queensland Masters. Mm-hmm. There's a million different things here, but there are events in Biloela, Charleville, Quilpie, Blackhall, Hewenden, and Longreach this year. So it's going to be a massive, massive uh, prize, a heap of prizes on offer, the million-dollar hole-in-one, heaps of opportunities to win $10,000 on various hole-in-one challenges around the place. As I said, the largest prize pool in amateur golf in the mm. world. I know that's sort of a contradictory term, but nonetheless. If you want to find out more and get involved, um, the website is outbackqueenslandmasters.com. Yep. And for those of you who haven't uh, heard about Play 9, your chance to play at Kingston Heath this year in the Men's Australian Open, but ultimately to go and play at St Andrews uh, in the Open Championship of 2021. Get involved, get your club to have a Play 9 event. That's golf.org.au forward slash Play 9. Best prize in golf. Well, I'll get serious about that Outback Masters when they take us on uh, a touring OB with that tour. We didn't, we didn't get to that stage Very, last no, year, No, we? we didn't. Very disappointing. Where would you like to go? Every Bill, single one of those places. Really? All of them. You've, you've been big on Biloela for a long I time. I want to go to all those places. Uh, Stace, lovely to see you. Thank you. Your shout. <laughs> Hazy, good to see you as always. Thanks, Murray. Lovely Thanks, to Stace. have Stephen Pitt and Flick Johnson on the and program. You look ripe for disruption. <laughs> Thank you for holding it together in here, Murray. Is that what I did? Yeah, okay. you pulled it all together, oh, mate. Well, that's it. Hazy does all the hard work. I just take all the credit. Uh, this has been Inside the Ropes, episode number 154. 155 will be with you next week.